Chris Gowser here with Matt Howell. And this episode of the first run, we once have, wow, once, first run, I really just... Yeah, and we're doing it live too, so... <laughs> Listen folks, I gotta tell you, this week, Matt and I, our recording is basically four hours, three hours, three hours from when the show launches. So consider this basically a live show. It's gonna mm-hmm. be some uh, rough edits in here, as you can hear right now. So I hope you enjoy this kind of, you know, first run after dark episode here. <laughs> Let's start again. This week on the first run, Matt and I once again dive into the deeply unsettling waters that are Brandon Cronenberg's joints with Infinity Pool. Mia Goth continues her stellar run along with one of the Skarsgård kids. It's it's a really good looking one. And basically it's a film about taking the worst vacation of your life, unless perhaps you're just filthy rich and a bit of a jerk. Then Yoon Sang Ho, director of the great Train to Busan, returns the Netflix original Yung Yi. When is a sci-fi action film, Matt? Not so much about sci-fi or action. There's a wildly entertaining rundown of the big release on physical media featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to close out the big program by starting another countdown. It's our 10 favorite films of 2022. This week, we're doing films 10 through 6 because in classic first-run fashion, it's February. So I guess it's time to tell you what our favorite films of 2022 were. At least the ones we saw. Let's start everything off though with a clip from Infinity Pool. Have you ever fired a gun before? It would be so easy. Not everybody gets this job. Man, that Mia Goth, let me tell you. I, if anybody could potentially get me to do some pranks, kind of like Jackass style or the Impractical Jokers, mm-hmm. because it kind of starts that way. Then mm-hmm. maybe beat some people up, maybe kill somebody. I, I don't know. <laughs> but it might be Mia Goth. Matt, Brendan Cronenberg returns. He, the last film we saw that he did was Possessor. Correct. A film that I find relatively uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And he returns now with Infinity Pool, which supposedly the NC-17 version of this film, we only got the R version in theaters. The NC-17 version, which premiered at Sundance, people were walking out of the theater. They were so disturbed by what they saw. Awesome. So I've done some research on this as to what the differences are between the two films. We can get into that a little bit. But, Matt, how does Infinity Pool stock up and Cronenberg... Now, remember, Brandon Cronenberg, not, mm-hmm. you know, David. Big Papa David. Right. So, how does this go along with Possessor? Are we just amping things up to the next level? Are we Spinal Tap and Eleven in this thing? Or um, are you kind of like... Or are we just so jaded at this point? You're like, oh, yeah, that's... Okay, that's that's really horrible. Gross for people. Yeah, yeah. Well, first, I'll tell, try and explain what this thing is about. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah. Doing it so, <laughs> so uh, Skarsgård plays Jim Foster. He's a failed author, has one book to his name, and he's married to his wealthy publishing family wife. They're on a vacation to a resort in some... N- undisclosed fantasy country where they're not allowed to leave. I think it's called. Is that what it's called? Okay. L-I-T-O-L-Q-A. Oh, of course. Okay. Makes sense. 
Yeah. Runs into, I suppose, a fan in Mia Goth. They convince him to go outside the resort, which is strictly forbidden, to have a picnic. They get drunk. He is an idiot, so he is messing with some headlights at night instead of just pulling over, and he runs over a farmer and kills him. Um, He comes to find out that his sentence is death, and it's already been pronounced. But if he's rich enough, he can have a duplicate take his place. And apparently... That is a solution to a lot of crimes because the penalty for pretty much every crime here is death. Hmm. So Mia Goth and her wealthy husband kind of turns out that they, uh, they take advantage of this a lot. Yes. That's <laughs> one of the weird things I couldn't really wrap my head around with this film is that they have the technology and the ability to do this, mm-hmm. but they seem to relatively be a very poor country outside right. of this isolated resort. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird, but one thing I'll, I'm impressed by with this film, because really had me worried, Matt, was at one point, are we just going to play around with the fact that, well, who's really who? Right? Gotcha. Are you the double, or yeah. are you the real person? But they dispense with that pretty quickly, and make yeah. it and make it so it's irrelevant. And I'm, I was happy that they did that. But to get back to my question to you, Matt, for Infinity Pool, again, is this just another crazy mind-bending thing like Possessor? Is this even more disturbing than Possessor yeah. or maybe not so much? No, I don't think it was more disturbing than Possessor. I Possessor had a real nastiness to it. And it had, yeah. even though it was, this is a pretty graphic film in a lot of ways, it didn't seem to have that same edge. Now, maybe the NC-17 version is way, way worse. Um I'll be interested in seeing it, but I, I think Possessor is a much nastier film, whereas this is uncomfortable at times, has a lot of unlikable characters, mm-hmm. but it is relatively, for the subject matter, not as as uh, graphic as I was anticipating. Yeah, I think that's fair. So from what I understand to the NCT, NC-17 version, it's basically, it's slightly more explicit. Okay. Particularly with the psychedelic orgy scene. Okay, yep. Which I know is a phrase you don't usually hear me say outside of the latest Pixar movie. <laughs> but from what I understand, they swapped out some of the scenes to maintain the score cues because they had already all done that. And he didn't want to lose the score or at least have to chop it. So they just swapped out other scenes or doubled stuff, turned things around, whatever the case may be. Sure. So I'm assuming what that means is there's another shot or two of some type of penetrative action. Okay. Uh, and then that's probably about it. Maybe another more graphic head-splitting scene. I'm not sure. Sure. But that's basically it. But, um, yeah, it, it, I think it takes some big swings at the rich and their privileges. What it means kind of to be perhaps or at least think that you are an alpha predator and kind of how shallow that those entire feelings and underpinnings of that kind of group of people are and basically they're just evil but in the end too how Cronenberg wraps it all up is just how banal they are and how boring mm. as well mm-hmm. but I've also if he's making more of a comment Matt of just how they're able to then kind of seamlessly slip back into their traditional lives after committing these potentially unspeakable crimes now people are comparing it kind of like a would have like a mix mix mash of like a hostel and something else because it does have that vibe of you know foreigners going to another country and then doing horrible things type of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I would say even that those first two hostel films are more disturbing and graphic than I think Infinity Pool is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think 
one of the things why I, that it's the meanness me. is what I think you, you're entirely right about. Yeah, this is. I found myself getting really annoyed at Skarsgård's character, like especially yeah. when he's kind of he's very submissive. Um, like you said, he thinks he's maybe an uh, you know an alpha, but he doesn't really belong with this group. And some of the stuff that's going on, he obviously doesn't want it to happen. But at the same time, I just looked at myself watching Skarsgård on the screen, and I'm like, okay, dude, you're like six five. You're like 225 pounds. You're completely ripped. You could kill, you could F up every single one of these like pudgy rich guys, yet you're sitting here taking it. Like I do, I don't understand. Like I almost feel like it had to, it should have been somebody other than Skarsgård because it really took me out of it in a lot of the scenes because it was hard to view him as like this kind of, where's the clip? Beta? Beta, I guess. <laughs> I don't think I have beta up here anymore. No, that's too bad. You now they got replaced with all my Jordan Peterson clips that we never really use either. No, oh, okay. Dang it, I'm sorry. Beta. That's for you. <laughs> Thanks. I don't see Matt. I don't know if that's accurate though, because the way I looked at it is he is looking to me a Goss character as to give him permission to dive into the darkness within himself mm-hmm. and i think maybe it gets a little too dark and a little more than he anticipated he was getting into maybe but there's definitely he's curious right there's a reason why he doesn't lose his passport there mm-hmm. right it's there he wants to dive into this side of himself i don't know if he views it more because maybe it will be the inspiration for his next novel or that just he's just truly a despicable person and he wants to see you know, the depths of his depravity, how far can he go? That's yeah. kind of how I interpreted all that. Because part no. of me was, at first I was like, well, do I want a sequel? I was anticipating around the, the middle, sec- you know, the middle of the film where we're getting to the final act that he was going to turn all the film on its head and he was going to turn up all this stuff into like a revenge thing mm-hmm. and then take out all of these people, mm-hmm. right? But then I felt, in the end, I'm like, oh, maybe that's for a sequel. Right, yeah. it, you know, infinity pool. You know, I don't know. More infinity. To yeah, infinity I don't know. You know what's funny is that I think I had a funny joke for this thing, and I and I and I didn't write it down. I'm very disappointed in myself. Hmm. I mean, I think Just you're like right. Me. That is true. But that would have undercut it. It wouldn't have been as. I think it would have been a bad choice if they had got, done that. I'm not saying that he had to be like turn and like become like this alpha killer kind of thing and i'm not disagreeing with you that i think all your points are correct through the beginning of the film why he went started going down this path but i think when he realizes that he's in over his head and that these people are are effing with him like they're like he could have taken care of it and that's where it kind of disconnected with me you know the whole scene with mia goth on the the hood of the car she's so she's so And and let me tell you, I was on board with Mia Goth until that part, because that those are some choices in that she makes in those, and I was not okay, I was not on board with them. Oh, come with on. her I love with me her some performance, Mia Goth. Are you kidding me? No, it just it seemed like uh, it seemed like a uh, a person who's never been around somebody like that. Just like what they think of no. what a crazy person should do. Guys, no. don't listen to Chris. He loves no. Mia Goth, and he's not being he's not being objective here. He's not being objective. I love her shift, man, because she starts as a seductress, right, trying to mm-hmm. bring down Jamesy, you know, <laughs> into her world, and it turns that maybe he's being manipulated the entire time, right? And I, I, I just, I don't know. I really enjoyed that. And Matt, I, I did I did have my joke. Are you ready? Everybody sit down. Here we go. 
Infinity Pool 2, The Deep End. Uh, well, there it is. That's you good. Mean, send, send, yeah, you should send Cronenberg a, a note. He'll... You see that? Did you see that he that uh, when they came out at one of the premieres of this, uh, he brought Skarsgård out on a leash? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and there's just you know it's too it, again it's it's not that it's not that debaucherous it's not that unsettling this thing I don't know if you and I are just really twisted at this point or we've just seen so many so much crazy stuff that this kind of thing doesn't really impact us like mm-hmm. it does the normies I, mm-hmm. I don't know I but. I just felt like this thing should have been just a little bit nastier. And I think what it is, I'm I'm thinking about Possessor, which mm-hmm. is a film that was deeply unsettling to me. I mean, it's like I think I called it at the time the first uh, pro-family annihilator movie. <laughs> and, and it's just, that was a disturbing film. This, it just kind of, it never really hits the, the edges. And I think like you said, and we've said so far, it's it lacks, I think, the nastiness and the nihilism that Possessor mm-hmm. has, which I think that for some, I don't know how, I think this should have been even more so, you know, it's like it's infinity pool or it's like to call it 120 days of isolated resorts. It's, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, I filmed this in Croatia too. I'm thinking, oh, well they definitely killed some people then for this movie. Mm-hmm. Does, uh, okay. So having said all that, yeah. I mean, do you think it's a worse movie because of it? Do you think it, it it's missing enough to where, it's not as enjoyable as we thought it could be. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. One of my notes is I respected it, I enjoyed it, and I was frustrated by Cronenberg's mm-hmm. decisions half the time. And I think that's the core of my issue with this film. As we kind of get these horror meta-commentary films, especially in the time we're in, right, with the, the income inequality, dealing with decadence and the ultra-wealthy, it's a genre with a ton of kind of real-life frustrations that they can pull from. And the problem is, it's just a messy bitch of a movie at times. Right. And I think that's my big problem with it. So for all that Cronenberg throws at us, and it's a lot, in the end, the film still feels incomplete to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're, we're, we're missing something still from this narrative. I don't, And it's not like some ambiguous ending, too, that he hands us. Like, oh, what does this all mean? It kind of <laughs> just kind of ends. Right. And I, I just... I don't know. I, I just, like I said, he takes some big swings. I just don't think he connects as well. Though, we, we do get this. Yeah! <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. I, I was I was like, oh, oh, honey, no. No, don't do that. I think my big issue, too, and I don't know if it's because, I don't know if you do this, but if we think about his dad at all, mm-hmm. I don't think he's quite captured the level that his father has with his level of wit. Or his sense of subversiveness. Right. His dad was a ma- was, I shouldn't say was, is a master of that. And I it, I don't want to say like I feel like he's aping some of that, but his doesn't feel as fully formed and realized for me as much as Cronenberg's films is. I think it's I don't I don't hate it. All right. Yeah. I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff in this. There were some interesting moments. I was on the edge of my seat a few times. I was disturbed. I was. I think it's enough to keep you isolated. I'm I'm sitting on a B. For Infinity yeah. Pool. I'm just... It's just when, when you go in thinking people walking out on Sundance. It's the most disturbing thing you've seen in a theater <laughs> for years. And it's it's not any of that. Yeah. It's, I mean, his use of violence in, in sex is, I think, is more severe and graphic. But it's it's not as effective. Yeah. It feels more like he's determined to shock and repel. 
by showing instead of doing i think what he did with possessor and i think what his father does so well is rooting it deep into your subconscious so mm-hmm. that it's you're just you feel just wrong right and it, that film this film never gets to that point yeah i completely agree i i don't it's hard for me to articulate exactly why it felt off to me. I think that is a lot of it is it felt like it should have been a lot nastier and it doesn't feel as impactful, but I do think it's an interesting exercise and I did overall enjoy it for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I've been vacillating between a B plus and a B, but I, I think I've talked my way down to a B at this point. Um, <laughs> I think it's still a pretty good effort. Um, yeah. But it's definitely a step down from his previous effort. I would say so. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. And it's funny. It, that sounded like a very negative conversation for a film we both gave a B to. But <laughs> I mean, it's still fun. I mean, there's yeah. still a lot there that, uh, you know, I think for... But I, if you're like a gorehound or you're really into disturbing things, that's, this is not... You're not going to get that. No. And I think you really nailed some too with Skarsgård. I don't know. I mean, I don't agree with... Or maybe I'm misunderstanding, but I don't agree with your reasoning yeah with his bulk and size and he could just i think generally his character i just don't know if he's the right guy for that role yeah he doesn't fit there's something off with his performance i just don't i just don't buy it like i just something's not right for that role yeah yeah i'm I'm with you but uh either way infinity pool beads across the board i don't know what to tell you folks shoot us an email (laughs) at feedback at the first run.com We'd love to hear your thoughts all about it. Matt, coming up on Physical Media this upcoming Tuesday, February 7th. Getting released in 4K. I don't think I have this even on Blu-ray. I have the DVD. And, man, I think I got to get a good price. I think I got to get a good price. I can't just buy this thing fresh. What do I really have left in life but this place? It ain't much of a home. But it's all I got. Well, God damn it. I'll be damned if I let some foreign graffiti-writing, soul-sucking son of a bitch in an oversized cowboy hat and boots take my friend's souls and shit them down the visitor's toilet. That's right, folks. Bubba Hotep is being released in 4K from Shout Factory. Don Coscarelli's film... Of course, Phantasm fame and a bunch of other great little B-horror films. I don't know if I should say B2. I don't want that to come off as insulting. Bruce Campbell stars as Elvis, who Mm -hmm. walked away from his fame because he just didn't want to deal with it anymore and dealing with Colonel Colonel Parker there. When I saw Elvis too, Matt, which we're going to talk about some other time, Ozzie Davis plays JFK, uh, who after his assassination attempt had his brain transplanted into the body of Ozzie Davis. So, uh... And they eventually have to just fight a mummy in their nursing home. Yeah. And that is the story of Bubba Hotep, which is a, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. But again, I, I don't know, man. I, 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 30 bucks, I can't pull a trigger on a 4K of Bubba Hotep. I don't know. What about you? Do you own it in any capacity? No. I remember seeing it. I remember being kind of excited for it, but, uh, I mean, I don't love it. I, I would only buy it if it was really cheap. And even yeah. then, I can't even tell you how many times I've passed up the opportunity to buy it really cheap. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Matt, uh, let's, oh, we got to start a countdown. Here we go. Number five, as the kids say. Number five. 
DC is putting out Legion of Superheroes as an animated film focusing more on Supergirl. Oh, I didn't even bring that up, Matt. Talk about James Gunn's uh, mm-hmm. DC plans. Maybe we'll have to pocket that for next episode where it'll be uh, nice and dry. Nobody will be talking about it anymore because <laughs> I still haven't put my thoughts together. All I can say about it is, I'm mean, honest with you, I'm slightly disappointed. Mm, are you? And I'm a little nervous. Yeah. C- considering Gunn's career and some of the stuff he's done. If you look at his entire oeuvre... And some of the stuff that's coming, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> uh, then we have uh, Michael Showalter's Spoiler Alert, featuring Jim Parsons, Ben Aldridge, and Sally Field. Oh, wait, hold on, Matt. I owe you, no, I owe you number four? I owe you a four, don't I? Yeah. Four! There you go, number four. Number three, coming out from uh, Shudder, VHS 99. I'm going to just step all over our drops here. Uh, VHS 99, which I think we enjoyed as a step up from the last two. Yeah. Uh, includes Shredding, Suicide Bid, Ozzy's Dungeon, The Gawkers, and then I think my favorite, To Hell and Back, mm-hmm. of those. And I think a better and more interesting uh, tying in together thing, framing device, than yeah, uh, some of the previous ones. Because yeah. also the framing device actually is what the fourth f- short? I can't remember. It's the fourth story. It's not actually like an uh, entire thing about, about Bobber thing. The two youths. We got to get a better two. two what? We need a better two. Uh-oh. What was that word? Radiance Films putting out A Woman Kills. This is Jean-Denis Bonan's film uh, from Paris in 1960s. Matt, a series of crimes trouble the public tranquility. On March 22nd, 1968, Helene Picard, a prostitute sentenced to death two years before for several murders, is killed by the executioner Louis Jablot. Is I've said that right? Sure. Immediately, the violent crimes similar to Helene's ones go on again, Matt. In parallel, Louis is having an affair with the policewoman in charge of the investigation. What are the obscure relations hidden behind the executioner and the mysterious killer? Who is this dark man in reality? Matt, and then finally... There can be only one! It's a slow week. I know some people like this film. They like the first one, too. I think you and I, again, outside of the introduction of Namor, Black Panther and Wakanda Forever is being released. Uh, Best Buy gives you a steel book. They have two different ones to choose from, by the way. Mm. Disney has a steel book, too. Um, Disney also has a Marvel, excuse me, a movie club exclusive cover for a Blu-ray, and Walmart comes with a little Black Panther enamel pin. Includes a gag reel, audio commentary, four deleted scenes, and a couple featurettes. And then Matt, some other 4K stuff coming out. Warm Bodies, which mm. is a fun little uh, zombie yeah, kind of romantic comedy thing. He's getting a steelbook from Best Buy. Return of the Swamp Thing, the uh, campy '80s film with Heather Locklear and Dick Durock. Is being released in 4K. And then Criterion is putting out uh, Kozlowski's The Three Colors with brand new 4K restorations. I have never seen these, but from what I understand, they are just classic films and mandates of the genre. You have to watch them. I guess The Three Colors represent three kind of important movements in France, red, white, and blue. Yeah. And um, you know what? Maybe when the next Criterion sale rolls around, I'll just pick it up. So uh, hopefully we'll see. It includes three short films. As well, interview programs, selected scene commentary, interviews, and more. Matt, you're straight to DVD pick of the week. I feel like this is a grindhouse movie. Werewolf bitches from outer space. (laughs) Three werewolf women from Uranus. Mm. Excuse me. Uranus are sent to Earth. That's it. There you go. Werewolf bitches from outer space. And it's not offensive because, you know, the female dog. A dog is called a bitch. There you go. You got a problem with that? Write the webster people. Uh, for streaming pick of the week, uh, I'm going to recommend my 
favorite movie all year so far is Skinamarink is available on Shutter starting today, February 2nd. Very nice. Yeah, check that one out. I think uh I think it's done by the time you hear this episode, but I think they're doing a streaming version of it with Patton Oswalt hosting it and oh, doing interviews and stuff afterwards right now. I guess she's a big fan of the film. So there you go. You might be able to find it afterwards. All right, Matt, we'll keep rolling then and spend a few minutes talking about the uh, Netflix original Yung Yi, which I was very excited about being a, such a big fan of Train to Busan. Science fiction, action, thrills, and maybe just a little too much family drama. This is I hope you all enjoyed your Korean lesson for the day. Matt, Yung Yi, again by Yoon Sang Ho. Train to Busan, great. The sequel, Peninsula, okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, he did another film too that I have not yet seen since then, but I'm telling you, I saw the trailer for this and I thought, wow, this looks really interesting, Matt. This looks really fun. So it's the, uh, it's, Earth is desolated, Matt, in the 22nd century due to climate change. Uh, humans have had to build these kind of little habitable camps in space surrounding the Earth. Like it's the uh, kind of like looks kind of like the Neil Blomkamp film with Matt Damon. Elysium. Yeah, like where they have the whole the bridgey thing that goes, or yeah, it mm-hmm. kind of looks like a little bit like that. But um, what happened is there was this fierce warrior, uh, Captain Yung Yung Yi, and she dies in her last mission. So what they're trying to do is from her kind of wave brain pattern type of stuff, build like the ultimate warrior because some of the campments have f- joined forces and waged war on the other camps. Mm-hmm. So there's this big battle and they're trying to use this woman's abilities to create a robot to lead and, you know, defeat everybody once and for all. And I got to tell you, Matt, some of the special effects and stuff is st- stellar. I mm-hmm. mean, the action scenes are great. The mm-hmm. fight scenes, again, so well choreographed. And it looks, I mean, I got that sweet TV. Everything looks legit and real to me. And it's all CGI. Yeah. But it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. The problem, Matt, I think is that you got about, after about an hour and 40 minute film, I think you got about 20 minutes of that. And then you have an hour plus of our hero's daughter trying to repair the relationship she had with her dead mom through these brainwave kind of robot versions of her. Right. And there's a lot of it, Matt. Yeah. A lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, it starts off relatively strong. Um, but then as I'm progressing through this thing, I'm like, man, this is this is boring. I am not having a fun time watching this. So, um <laughs> And you know what? I pushed through it for my my esteemed co-host, I my good friend, that. and you, our listener. So I <laughs> see what I did there. Um, I I don't know, man. I can't recommend this one. It's not. It's not good. It's not that good. It's it. What I don't understand what's happening. He 
started at that high with Train to Busan, and he's been getting steadily worse as we yeah. go along here. That's not that doesn't bode well. Yeah, no, it's uh, there's entirely too much backstory and too much what front story. The long scenes of discussions about the origins of Yoon Yi and her connection to Yoon Si Hoon, who is her her daughter, who's also the main technician, captain thing, engineer mm-hmm. of the whole project. And I'll say too, I apologize, Miss So Yoon, but man, she's like a charisma void. Mm. I it it's rough, you know. <laughs> well, she's really got that whole cyborg android thing down. I guess and she just has no presence. I was not engaged with her in any capacity. And there are some Sango throws around some themes dealing with kind of commercialism and capitalism and stuff at times, but yeah. it, uh, it's all just very shallow. And the whole he's really trying to tell a family story, the heart of the story. It's about this woman trying to heal the relationship she has with her legendary warrior mom. And it's just not that interesting. Yeah. It isn't. And again, the action scenes are great. And I, I think I can recommend it. You watch it for that, for the spectacle of when that happens. But again, like Matt said, you got about eight minutes in the beginning and then you got about 10 to 15 minutes at the end. <laughs> right. And then that's it. And there are long stretches of just memories and looking at robots with a tilted head. And then uh, it's just, man, it's ponderous, man. It's ponderous. I don't know. I really don't know what else to say about it. That, that's basically, yeah. but again, it, it looks fantastic at times. I was really blown away by when the robots fight each other and stuff. It's just, it's really well done. Yeah, and it elevates it to me to a C film just because of that. But that's the best I can do. Yeah, I can't be anywhere near as generous as Chris on this one. I gave it a D plus. I was, I ain't got time for this kind of stuff. I appreciate the effort, but uh, yeah, I I can't recommend it. Wow! All right, watch the action scenes on YouTube and save yourself a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Insane to me how I'm really shocked by how droll this whole episode was. I meant the film, not this episode. This mm. episode could be droll. I don't know. I think it's reasonably entertaining. Yeah. So if you had a chance to see Yoongi, which is currently streaming on Netflix, uh, shoot us an email at feedback at the first run dot com. I can't. I really can't get over how inert this film is for like two thirds of its running time. Mm-hmm. And the comedic stuff too just oh, falls so flat. out of place. So out of place. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes I wonder: Is it a cultural shift? We have translation issues. Is that because Netflix is notorious for being really cheap on their subtitling mm-hmm. and actually changing like the emotional points on certain films because of it? But I, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe feedback at thefirstrun dot com. Let us know what you think. All right, Matt. Let's keep rolling. Then let's wrap up the big show. And share, or let's just start to share our favorite films of 2022. This is going to be movies 10 through 6. Matt, this one didn't make the cut, but you know, it's the Mia Goth channel around here. Where does all this ungratefulness stem from? How is it you find our life so beneath you? You've always had a wolf over your head, food in your belly. Do you not think that came at great sacrifice from your father and I? Oh, do you think we are beneath you too? If I'm meant to live out the rest of my days with you and Daddy on this farm, then so be it. But I'm only young once. If I 
I go to this audition and I don't get picked, then I'll come home and I'll never speak of it again, I swear. But I have to know that I tried or I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. Please, Mama, you have no idea what I'm capable of. Oh, yes, I do. I've seen the things you've done in private. You believe no one is watching. Ooh, that sounds rough. Mm-hmm. That is Ty West Pearl starring Mia Goth. I know, or as Matt likes to call her. Yeah! <laughs> so, I Matt, can't I like... wait for that one to rotate out. Oh, yeah, it'll be gone in a week. Don't worry about it. So, I like Pearl. I actually liked it a lot more than I liked X. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to Maxine later this year to see how uh, West wraps this whole thing up. But uh didn't make the cut for me, Matt, but I wanted to throw out Pearl there and give it a little more love. So so let me ask you a question. I was yep. looking over our list. We watched a lot of movies this, as always. Uh-huh. This is this is a not a great year, right? This is, seems nope. like a bad year to me. Not great. Yeah. I, had, My, I really struggled to come up with 10. Yeah. No, it's not. It was not. No. It's... I, when I was going through it to myself, I was a little disappointed in myself. Yeah, like this has not been very, not been solid at all, unfortunately. Like I had, like Matt, I pulled Fresh. You remember Fresh? I do. Yeah. Sebastian Stan, a movie I yeah. enjoyed. Yeah. It's an honorable mention for me, but I'm going yeah. through the list. I'm like, oh yeah, I thought that was okay. <laughs> and it made it the honorable mention. The o- yeah, the, the, uh, the okay is an honorable mention. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's uh, you start us off. Go ahead. Okay. Let's, Number all right, so my number 10 is probably the wildest movie I saw all year. A singular vision, a passion project by an animator named Phil Tippett. Finally saw the light of day. Um, that is Mad God. Um, I don't really know how to describe this film other than someone, a, a man called the Assassin, is sent on a mission and descends through a an ever- an ever increasing uh, state of madness as he goes through hell or what, I don't know, but it is definitely an artistic statement and I have to give it some love for that. So number 10 is mad God. Honorable mention again for me. I think that's a good pick though, Matt. Uh, yeah, no, that was a crazy one. They're currently available on shutter, I believe as well. So, yeah. and they're doing a, um, I think it's coming out in 4k. I think I'm not sure. Either way. All right. My number 10 then, Matt. Originally, I had After Sun on here. Mm. But then I'm like, you know what? No, these are the films I enjoyed the most. And I think I swapped it out. And I may upset some people with this, but I'm just going to do it. Confess Fletch. One of the mm. surprises of the year for me. A film I really, really enjoyed. Mm. Really, like just prime middle-aged dad type stuff here. <laughs> but a reimagining, sort of, of the uh, Fletch series. You know, Chase, Chevy Chase did the two films supposedly Matola is writing a second film here and I really hope he does because this is one of the pleasant surprises for me this year really a god-awful trailer mm-hmm. but John Hamm really shines in this role and I wish that the studio get a little bit more behind it because I think this could have been a much bigger film if it had been marketed and promoted properly because it is one of the more engaging and fun films I saw all year so I may confess, confess Fletch my 10 yeah that's a good one I, I had a fun time but uh, you know Another film that I enjoyed, so would yeah. make the list. Um, so one that did make the list that I did enjoy enough uh, was Number Nine's Barbarian. Probably my favorite horror film, or at mm-hmm. least one of the more fun horror films I saw all year. Um, it's got some really effective jump scares. Got some really effective uh, 
I, I guess we can call it a creature design maybe. And just some really crazy atmospheric, uh, you know, lost in the dark in the caves, which is always just a scary, you know, situation for me that I, I thought it was quite enjoyable. No, that's a good one too. Um, that's on my honorable mentions. Just honorable mentions all across the board, Matt. My <laughs> number nine then is Todd Field's Tar, starring Kate Blanchett, nominated mm-hmm. for an Academy or a couple Academy Awards, actually. Mm-hmm. But um, Blanchett is a force of nature in this film, and Todd Field's kind of metadramedy about cancel culture and you know PCness and other stuff, which just housed within this horrible human being. Uh, it's just, it's a riveting film and had a lot of, I don't say a lot of fun watching it, but it was a, a really interesting, captivating film. So yeah, Tar is my number nine. All right. Uh, my number eight is a film that is quite good. Uh, the acting is excellent. It's really a, something of a film that, uh, I think that people should check out, but it's a very uncomfortable watch in Martin McDonough's Banshees of Inishir and nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, it's a great film. Uh, Colin Farrell is great in it. Um, but Hey, man, it is some cringe, uncomfortable situations as watching this uh, these interpersonal relationships collapse. Uh, so it can be a tough sit for yeah. various reasons. Absolutely, that's a that's a good pick, Matt. Number uh, number eight, huh? Yeah, I, I Chris, I I have to say this. You know how you okay. said these are films that you enjoyed? I said screw it, and you know I'm picking. My top five are films that I'm actually going to revisit multiple times in the future. I can't say that's going to happen for the Banshees of Inisherin. Fair. All right. I disagree with that, but I understand your point of view. I get it. The, my number eight, then, is Park Chan-wook's decision to leave. Mm. Uh, I don't know if it's quite as good as his last film, but I still loved this little movie about the uh, insomniac detective who... Uh, thinks maybe this young woman may have killed her partner and he kind of then becomes obsessed with her and they develop this kind of weird relationship between the two of them. And I'm still not sure I'm on board with the ending of the film, but there are some really truly beautiful moments, heartbreaking, odd, at times funny, and just really another wonderful Park Chan-wook film. So uh, Decision to Leave is my number eight. Yeah, definitely an interesting film for sure. Um, so my number seven is the cannibal romance. I didn't know that we needed in our life bones and all starring Timothy Chalamet. Um, I think what really sells this and really pushes it over the top is Mark Rylance as the incredibly creepy Sully, who is just kind of this force who exists as he follows around, uh, the main character. Um, and uh, it's definitely got a vibe. It almost has a, near dark vibe to it. And I was really on board with this kind of underworld of vaguely supernatural beings who have to eat human flesh. Yeah. No, I mean, it happens. So then my number seven is in a, you know, in a year of some truly wild films, I think just sheer minute to minute craziness uh, of enjoyment is, S.S. Rajamuli's RRR. Mm. Just the Indian Telugu language film. It's it's this epic kind of action drama film about these two. I mean, I think that they did really exist, right? But they're almost mythological figures in Indian history. Mm-hmm. And now the two of them end up teaming up to kick some um, 
imperialistic British butt at times, but uh, just a lovingly crazy over the top film with striking visuals, really catchy, fun dance numbers, and really some top tier action. There's a lot of great stuff in this film. So uh, I made RR my seven, which is, if you haven't seen it, it's currently streaming on Netflix. Yeah. You appreciated it a lot more than I did. Um, mm. Fun movie, but I wouldn't put it in my top ten. That uh, scene when all the animal cages open up and oh he's flying. God, oh, so, so ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So my number six is much lower on Chris's list, but it was on the same list. It's our first cross, I think. Uh, it is Tar. Uh, I really enjoyed Kent Blanchett's uh, performance. I was on board with this, you know, tortured artist who is a horrible person and gets the come up that she deserves. But at the same time, you're kind of losing someone who is important to the art world. It's an interesting uh, question that I and my esteemed co-host, we wrestle with a lot since a lot of the people we love turn out to be shitheads. That's <laughs> Absolutely. So then my number six is going to be Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. The Ryan right. Johnson film. Uh, I I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed this a lot more than Knives Out, and I like Knives Out a lot. Mm-hmm. I think Daniel Craig is really over-leaning into his Benoit Blanc character a little bit this time, and I loved every minute of it. I think just, again, this bit of a satire again on the ultra-rich, but in, you know, in this one, nobody takes psychedelics and kills anybody or anything. So <laughs> Right. Well, the people that get killed, though, let's 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 be honest now. But uh, yeah, no, all star cast again. I think that our boy Dave Bautista again showing some great range. We'll see him next week in uh, Knock at the Cabin as well. Mm-hmm. But all star cast: Janelle Monae, Edward Norton, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Kate Hudson. Uh, Noah Segan shows up again as D roll, which is a great little uh, I don't know walk on little moment there that I enjoyed a couple times when he showed up, but. I don't know what it is, Matt. I just love Craig in this role. I love these kind of whodunits. I've been watching uh, Poker Face on Peacock. Oh, yeah. Natasha Leone, when it's kind of, it's great. Is it? Okay. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Okay. It's a, uh, it's kind of in the Columbo thing where you actually know who kills the person and kind of why. And the, the fun of it is watching Natasha Leone kind of figure it out. Okay. And her whole catch is that she can, she just instinctively knows when somebody's lying to her. She just knows. Good trick. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And just like glass onion again, which is also currently streaming on Netflix. I think I said at the time, the most fun I had watching a movie in my home mm. in, uh, 2022 was a uh, glass onion. So Very good. <laughs> there it is. All right. Well, that's it, right? That's uh 10 through six for us for this year so far. Next year, next year, next week, we'll tackle five through one. It's funny. I feel like my 10 through six, too, I could almost jumble a little bit at any point. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. my five through one is pretty much rock solid and locked mm-hmm. in. Well, then you're going to get to the point where you're going to see the very vast different tastes and what we value, what we both consider important in films and how different we really are in some of the respects. Yeah, I think I think we all know what Matt's number one's film is. So it's going to be a little anticlimactic. I, here, I think you're uh, going to be surprised as to what my number one film is. But you're right. That film is in the top five somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. What are your, what, 10 through 6 favorite films of the year? Is that something people ask for? 
Let us know. Shoot us an email feedback at thefirstrun.com. Start sending us your top tens or your top five. That's it. Send us your top fives. We'll read them on the air as we go through ours. God damn, I'm good. Yeah. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, what's coming up next week on The Big Show? Uh, as you said, the new M. Night Shyamalan film, A Knock at the Cabin, is something we're going to check out. And then we're also going to check out uh, Kevin Williamson's... Uh, slasher drama that's on or slasher movie that's on peacock sick there you go sounds like a good time in the meantime uh you can find us on youtube instagram feedback feedback i think it's called facebook twitter and just do a search for the first run scroll 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 eventually you'll find us head on over to apple Podcasts and give us a review and help other people find the show and i guess um that'll be it for this week so please take care of yourselves we love you very much and we'll see you again soon take care Morning. Morning. I slept like a baby. Where are we? My place. Sorry, it's so messy. Is there a Mrs. Swamp thing? <laughs> no, I'm a bachelor. So what do you do? Order in? <laughs> it's been a long time since I've left. Well, I seem to have that effect on most of my boyfriends. Me? Your boyfriend? Why not? You said it yourself. I'm a plant. That's okay. I'm a vegetarian. (laughs) 